We're going to continue a series in this brand new year called Proper Alignment. And I, I'm full today. Like I'm, I'm full of joy and excitement over what God is going to deposit on the inside of each and every one of you. Because I know each and every one of us come with different things that we're battling and facing. And so my prayer is that God will take my words and somehow translate them right to where you're at so that he can speak into your situation. And that's what I love about the word. It's alive. And so because it's alive, it's able to morph itself into our circumstances and cause us to see things differently. So I believe it's time today to officially close the door on 2018. <laughs> Amen, Landy. That is, that's how I know a lot of people just felt like they should have done that. They go, I just don't have the courage to do that. And allow God to mold us and to upgrade each and every one of us and to pursue us in 2019. That we would allow him to mold us. Just like clay, that we would be moldable with God, not set and fixed in our own ways, but that we would say, God, mold us and upgrade us and just pursue after us like you love to do. And I had this picture of us stepping into 2019 as though we were on the street walking up to a brand new custom built home for the first time that was yours. The keys were handed to you, the mortgage was paid, and now you're about to open the doors and get to explore this brand new house with your kids. And that's how I see us stepping into 2019 with expectation, with excitement, with this exploring mindset that each and of us, each and every one of us can live with, of going, God, I know you have something for me. I know there's something out there. I know there's a calling and a gift inside my life. Lord, what is it? Even at our table as our, our, our men's breakfast yesterday that we had, the question arose was, I don't know what God has for me, but I'm excited. I don't know what giftings I have, but I'm going to explore them. And I feel like we all could have that same expectation and excitement. And as I mentioned last week, I believe we could all use a spiritual adjustment that would help us to realign ourselves with who our Heavenly Father is and the purpose that He has for each and every one of us. It's easy because of our jobs and our kids and just life itself to just go through the motions of life and not reconnect or realign with the purpose that God has called us to live with. Do you know that each and every one of you have a purpose? Each and every one of you have a gifting and each and every one of you have a ministry that God has called you to. And because life has a way of moving us off the place of where we need to be with God, we all need to come to a place where we're properly aligned with who he is and who we are. And that's why I love the start of a new year. Because it comes with so many possibilities and opportunities for a fresh start, to see things from a new perspective, to start with a clean set. How many are there that a new year comes with the opportunity, this freshness to go, okay, I'm excited again. And 2018 may have been at tough for some of us, but 2019 seems to flip a page and go, Let's see what's in store. I shared this verse last week. It comes from Hebrews uh, chapter 13, verse 20. And it says, Now may God, the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, may he equip you. And this is 
the writer of Hebrews, he's praying as he finishes off this letter to them. He said, may he equip you. That word equip is, means align. May he realign you with all that you need for doing his will. There's a will that God has for your life. A will that you are called to do that is outside these walls. Wherever you go with whomever you do life with, there's a will that he's calling each and every one of us to. And it says, may he produce that in you. I pray that my words up here will never be, do this, do this, do this, do this, so you can produce this for God. No, I pray that you realize you are a branch, and when you get connected to the vine, the vine produces through the branch the fruit that needs to be produced, and others now benefit from that branch being connected to the vine. That the branch is not like, did you see what I just produced? Like, holy cow, did you see that? Like, look at that. No, 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 it's about the vine producing through the branch, and the branch just simply has to stay connected. And so he's equipping us, and he's producing in us through what? The power of Jesus Christ. It's on his power. It's not by your might. It's not by your strength. It's by what? His spirit, says the Lord. All that is pleasing to him, for Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep by an everlasting covenant, and it was signed with his blood. And one of the things I so love about God, and you'll probably hear me if you're in conversation with me at times, I share this all the time, but I love this about God is that he knows how to meet people right where they're at. But what I want you to understand about that is if you're in a time of difficulty and challenge and, 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 and fear, he doesn't come and meet you there and then say, come on, we got to get going. No, I want you to see him as one that comes down to your level. Because he proved it through Jesus, that he puts that arm around you and says, we're going to make it. Yeah, I'm not ready to stand. That's okay. If you're not ready to stand, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna stay right here until you're ready. And of course, he stretches us, and of course, he tries to encourage us, but he's always with us. So he doesn't leave us and says, wait, are you coming? Wait, are you, are you, you know what? <laughs> he doesn't do that. He meets you right where you're at. And what, what that has done for me as a pastor is realize that I'm not pulling people somewhere. If that's where they're at, God meet them. If they're any otherwise likewise minded, God, you reveal that to them so I don't have to conform people. I just simply get to invite them into this relationship with the Father who he then stretches and pulls and encourages and does all those wonderful things. And he's always willing to speak to us. If we would just take the moments in life and listen to his voice. Sometimes we get very hurried through life. Wake up, get the kids, spank the kids, bring the kids to school. Go do all the other things we have to do. Go get the kids, spank the kids, put them to bed. That's not how it happens at our house. And what happens is because of that, we don't, we don't set time aside to have a relationship or fellowship with our Father. But He's always wanting to speak. And I want to encourage you, a minister shared this before and it has blessed my heart, is that if He doesn't speak initially, He will speak eventually. And there's reasons why. And we talked about the different seasons, the seasons of His presence where, man, He's always talking the seasons where you feel like He's not there, but He's just waiting for us to put our faith in Him and then he'll start talking. And so this morning I want to dive a bit deeper into what God has for us and wants for us in this new year. 
And I believe that this year is one of total and complete access. I want you to think about that word for a moment, access. Imagine if you were friends with Bill Gates and he said, you have access to all that I have. Imagine if you were friends with Michael Jordan, you have access to any shoe that you would ever want to wear. Shout out to Nico. Imagine if you had access to something that you desperately loved and wanted and need, and now you have complete access. Well, you have total access. You are an heir of God. You are a joint heir of Jesus Christ, meaning that whatever he can access or was allowed to access while he was in the flesh, you have the same right as an heir to access the same things. You want peace? Get all you can. You want joy? It's for you. You want victory? It's yours. Freedom? It's yours. All of it is accessible to you. And he gives us access to his presence. Can I get an amen to that? 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can access his presence at all times. And I'm reminded of something. Is Maria still in here? Where are you at? We were at a celebration night that we had for New Day a couple weeks ago, and she had written me, and there's twice where my daughters interrupted the times where it was a spiritual moment. And she wrote me, and I didn't even realize this was, happened, but it blessed me when you recognized it. She said, both times when they interrupted, you stopped what you were doing and you gave your attention to your kids. Now, I understand the philosophy at times where, like, shut up, kids, and go over there and don't ever interrupt. But I wanted them to learn something about God, that he is what? Always accessible. And sometimes we don't portray that as parents, and sometimes we can't because of a situation but it blessed me to realize that that's what I want my kids to see God as, that he doesn't, he's always accessible to us. It's not like, oh, God, you have some time, you, you have a moment? I don't want to bother you with my burdens. No, he is always accessible. It says, come boldly to the throne of grace. We have access to his grace. That's amazing right there, his empowering presence to call us up into the things that he has given or, or, or instructed us to do. He, he said, you want grace? Have as much as you want. You want fullness of it? And sometimes we just take a measure. No, I'll just take a portion. Listen to this. We have access to his favor and his goodness 24 hours, seven days a week. You know, when I think about God's favor, I think that we all have a divine advantage, that he gives us an advantage in our business, in our relationships, in everything. If we just utilize, I have access to God's favor and his goodness. And you know, as we mentioned last week, we have access to all of his promises. 7,000 promises that are accessible to us, but how many are we going after? In 2 Peter chapter 1, 3 and 4, it says these words, as his divine power, speaking of God, has, everybody say has for a moment. I love that because it's past tense. He has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is actually the New King James Version. Through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and his virtue. Look at verse 4. And by which these promises have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these promises you may become a partaker of God's nature and that you would escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Or, yeah, through lust. So here's my question for you this morning. What promises... Are you in the mode of believing and receiving right now? 
If there is 7,000 promises that are accessible that we can access at any time, which ones are you receiving? Which ones are you coming to God and going, wait, you, have, you promised? Okay, Lord, I'm going I'm to take hold of that promise. Because we're, at the end of the day, we're called what? Be believers, right? We're not called hopers. We're not called doubters. We're called believers. What that maybe you've lost sight about. Maybe you've lost sight that he wants to take care of your needs. Maybe you lost sight that he wants to be your comforter, he wants to be your guide, or he wants to be your father. What promise have you not accessed because maybe you've forgotten about it? And remember in God's kingdom that you receive from God by one simple way, believing. Abraham believed God and was accounted unto him as righteousness. So we believe and that's how we receive. It, it, it baffles our mind because, no, we have to do something to get something. No, just simply believe. How do you receive Jesus? Believe upon the Lord and you will be saved. You know, some look at the scriptures and they go, and I, and I, and I, I thought about this this morning and I want to take a moment and share it. Some go and go, oh, promise? Okay, I believe that. That's not how believing happens. Believing happens as a revelation that you go over and 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 over something until you go, I believe it. There's a difference because when you go, oh, Justin, I believe that, it doesn't change you. But when you go over it and over it and dialogue with God about it and he starts to reveal it inside of you and you go, I got it. I believe that fully. And I remember 2000. 16, the word that I felt like the Lord gave for me that year was dependency. And it was never a practice of mine to ever have a word for the year, but that word came to my mind as I was praying. Little did I ever know what that actually meant. I thought, oh, dependency, we're going to have a tough time financially and we'll have to trust him. But he literally stripped me personally of everything that I was depending upon. And I didn't even know it. But the more that I begin to realize that the trust of, Lord, I, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. No, you don't trust him until he reveals who he is to you. And then you're like, I trust you. Like, I got it. I finally got it. It wasn't just a word that I was speaking. He revealed to me who he was to me. I was like, I believe it. I believe that you're good. I believe that you're always good. And so the promises that you believe can literally change the trajectory of your life, especially in this new year. And I love the thing about a new year is that it comes with a new sense of purpose. And it's filled with new promises, but also those promises come with power. So the promise that is given to you also contains the power to become the very thing inside your life. That is good news. So when he promised you this, and I believe upon it, the gospel is the good news. When I receive the gospel by believing it, that gospel has the same power now to bring salvation in my life. So it's not like I received the promise and now, okay, what do I do with it? No, that will have the power to literally transform your life. Are you catching this? And when you embrace it, it causes all of us to now make a profound impact on society and the people that we walk through life with. And that's when people start to go, man, something's different about you. And when I'm around you, man, I feel like God is touching my life or impacting my life. That's available for all of us as we learn how to walk in the exceedingly great, precious promises. And by those promises, what? We become a partaker of divine nature. And so as we become a partaker of divine nature, guess what people now experience when they experience us? God. Because we're not God, but his presence is inside of us. 
He says, we are the temple of the living God. Think about that. You are a temple that resides the presence of God on the inside of you. And when you start to walk in these promises, the presence of God now is just diffused. Have you ever seen one of, actually, you know what? I don't know. They both make sense. But if you have a candle, but you never light it, the aroma never goes farther than probably an inch. But the moment you light it, what happens? It starts to spread into the whole place. It's the very same thing about us as believers, is that you are that candle. You have the aroma of God because the presence of God is inside of you, but until you tar- start embracing who he is and, and, and who you are, until you're on fire, it's called the baptism of fire, what happens is that aroma never really travels too far and makes the impact that it's supposed to make. And that's what's happening inside your lives. I'm going to take a fire to all of you this year, amen, spiritually speaking. So a new year, 2019, it's filled with new promises that are just waiting for us to go after and get them. Amen? We have to go. Even Jesus said this about the kingdom. He said, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. What he was saying is this, is that there is an enemy that is pushing back every single day. He is working tirelessly to make sure you do not walk in who you are. Because if he can't keep us from getting saved, he's going to keep us from walking like the saved. And so he is relentless. He has a, strand, a strategy. He has plans. He has schemes. And that's why Paul said, do not be ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. Why? Because he is trying to derail you from walking in the fullness of who you are. He realizes that Jesus, by the Spirit of God, lives on the inside of you. Sometimes we don't realize that. And so as I begin to go through this year, I have to go and get not earn, not strive, receive all that God has for me. And then I start to walk in the very things of who he is for me and who I am. And so no matter what the situation that you're facing, I want you to practice something. If you have to write it down, please do. Because when I started to ask this simple question, it started to help me see my circumstances very differently. Instead of reacting, how many have ever reacted to a circumstance or reacted to bad news or reacted to your child? Amen. Anybody? And so instead of reacting, it shows you how not to be responsive, to to respond to what God has said. And so here's the question that I started to ask myself a couple years ago. Is, Father, I got this bad news. Or things haven't turned around. So what promise... And what upgrade do you have for me in the midst of this circumstance? Think about this for a moment. If you start to ask that question, where does your attention go to? Father, what upgrade, what promise do you have for me in this circumstance? Because sometimes our prayers are, God, get me through this. God, get me, get, get the circumstance away. Like, what do I need to do to get the circumstances? And I'm here to just encourage you and say, in every situation, that God has for us. And when we receive those promises, we're upgrade. And that's why the Bible says we go from glory to what? Glory. Those are upgrades that we have in the kingdom. So none of us walk in the fullness of everything that God has until we learn how to walk in receiving what God has for us in this moment. So here's a few of them that I just kind of listed. Is in every trial comes with a prob- promise of patience. Now think about this. Every trial contains attached to it a promise of patience, which is endurance, so that you can continue to fight the good fight of faith. 
Every trial comes with a promise of patience. Every loss comes with a promise of comfort. So in your loss, in the pain, in the hurt, in the difficultness of it, you ask yourself the question, God, what upgrade or promise do you have for me in the midst of this loss? And he says to us, I want to be your comforter. And it's in this moment that the circumstances no longer have to change in order for us to be comforted. So now we're learning how to be comforted in the midst of any circumstance that we face. It's called kingdom living. Irrelevant of what we're facing, we can receive a promise of God. How about this one? Every hurt comes with the promise of healing. I know many of you in this room, God has led you to New Day to get healed. That there is a hurt, but there's a promise attached to every person that has hurt you. There's a promise that comes right with it, and it was healing. I remember, and I won't bring up the whole situation, but I was, I felt tormented in my mind because of something I saw a number of months ago. And I remember the enemy just saying, you will forever be tormented by that picture. And you know what happened? Fear rose up on the inside of me. Because I was like, oh my gosh. But I remember a gentle whisper where God said, but you don't have to be. Why? Because greater is he who is in you, Justin, than he who is in this world. And he taught me in that moment that in that moment of torment, there's a promise of rest. And I was able to go to bed and haven't dealt with it since because it's the kingdom way of living, amen? Every lack comes with a promise of what? Provision. That I know there's times where we have lack, and I know it's because sometimes we're stupid with our money, but there are moments when things are stolen from us or things go this way with the market or something happened with our job and we lost our job or something happened medically and we just had to shell out a whole bunch of money for that. I want you to know in that lack, there's a provision promised to you. Every setback comes with a promise of promotion. Every worry comes with a promise of peace. So think about this. If you get news or something causes you to worry about tomorrow, because Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow, for today has its own troubles. And so when you start to worry about tomorrow, you lose the grace you need to handle today. And so every worry comes with this promise of what? Peace. So I come to God and he says, cast your care. So I cast my worry and say, God, oh, here's my worry. And he goes, good, here's my peace. And every fear comes with the promise of his faithfulness. Amen? And every addiction in this room attached to that addiction, to that struggle, that cycle that you can't seem to break out of, comes with a promise of freedom. So there's promises in every single circumstance. And if we begin to ask the question, God, what upgrade or promise do you have for me in the midst of the circumstances? It changes the way that we realize I'm not moved by what I see. I walk by. So before I move on, I want to remind you of these three things. I, if you're sick of them, it's probably because you're finally catching it. Go ahead. Put those three things on the screen, Jackson. Whatever you're doing over there. There it is. God is what? He's always good. 
And he always, always, always has your best in mind. Like when he thinks about you and your life and the future that he planned for you, he has your best in mind. So no matter what route he takes you, it has what? Your best in mind. And he's always setting you up to succeed in what he's calling you to do. So if he's called you here and you're here, and you go this way, just know he always has your best in mind. But if this way is difficult, just know he's setting you up to succeed in what he's called you to do. That he has to prepare us properly. If you take my daughter's summer, eighth grade, let's move you to high school, what would happen? It would overwhelm her. She would not feel like she fit in. She would not feel like she's ready. And she would what? Fail. So in order for us to get Summer to a place where she's equipped to handle the load of high school, she has to go through the process of 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th. And that's why God's not in a rush. He's not like, oh, you're stressed out? Oh, it's hard on you? Oh, okay, let's just skip it, and we'll make it really hard on you. No, he's not like that because he has a kingdom in mind that we are called to advance, amen? And so he allows us to go through that process and that learning process so that we can be ready, and he's setting us up to succeed in him. Look at this verse. I love this. Psalms 34, verse number 8. Two different translations. David said it like this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? It's like a Cinnabon. Right? You ever walk by one of those in January? Like, you're just done with your whole diet scheme because you, you smelled it and now they scream, oh, taste and see how good this, this Cinnabon really is. And I think it's the true with goodness of God is that I, I love to invite people, oh, just taste and see how good God is. Oh, I'm scared about taking this step of faith. How's it going with you, Elle? You doing okay? She took a huge step of faith about a month ago. And the invitation from God was, taste and see how good and faithful I am. And it says, blessed is the man who puts his trust in him. So once you taste the goodness, the trust becomes easy. It's relational before functional. Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God really is. Blessed are you who run to him. And I believe it's time that we allow God to realign us so that we fulfill the work that he has called us to do. Paul says it like this, that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, prepared beforehand for good works. There is a ministry, there is callings, there is gifts for all of you to do in 2019. And I think it's time that we now allow him to prepare us and mold us so that we can do the very things that he's called us to do, whatever that may be. There's a verse that has stood out to me as a pastor at New Day, and it's this one from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. You can go there. And it says, And he has appointed some with the grace to be apostles, and some with the grace to be prophets, and the grace to be evangelists, and some to be grace of pastors and teachers. Those are called the fivefold ministry that he said there are some that are called to do those things. Now look at the purpose that he has given me in, the, in, in your life. This is awesome. He says, and their calling, teachers, pastors, evangelists, is to nurture and prepare all of the believers to do what? Their own works of ministry. Can I get an amen? Yeah. 
So I have, a, I have a, a, a grace on my life to call you up and to remind you that you have a work of ministry that you are called to, and I get to nurture you and prepare you as best as I can to go and walk in the very things that God says you are to do while you're on this earth. And they will do this, or as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. That's awesome. And that's what we're about here at New Day is calling you up into the very things that God is calling you because you have a, your own work of ministry and may you discover what that is. And so there are three ways, don't think like we're going to go into a whole nother sermon, don't be scared. But there are three ways that I want to make sure I just, I want to tap it this Sunday and we'll continue to talk about it later on, is there's three ways that God realigns us back to who he is for us and who we are to him. Once you get this, once you understand the mind of God and how he transforms his people, because remember, we're in the loving business, God is in the transformation business. I am called, you are called to love people right where they're at, and it's through that love and through that care that God now, by his power, transforms them. And so there's three ways the initially realigns all of us to who we are and to who he is to get us back on track and so we can fulfill the mission, the purpose, and the gifts that have been given freely to us. Those three ways are this. Number one is that God, uh, you can put that up in Jackson, is, it's a new perspective that he begins to birth inside of us. The second, which is to see what he sees. This is vital. If you flip this script, which religion will do, it doesn't have any power. So the first thing that he's going to do in all of us, and I think we begin to realize that that's what he's doing in many of us, is he says, I want you to see something different. I want you to see a different perspective. The second one is we begin to now renew our mind to a different way of thinking. God, how do you think about this? God, how do you think about them? It's one of the most difficult questions you can ever ask God is how do you think about them when they're your enemy? Because he feels about them way different than you feel about them. And he will have you forgive them when you want nothing to do with them. And then it comes with the new language that we begin to speak just like our Father speaks. Amen? And so this process is that he is realigning us to a new perspective. That he's calling us to view life from a different perspective, a different place. You can put that slide on the screen, Jackson. The next one. And that's the difference between actually looking at a mountain and being on top of a mountain or flying over a mountain. And so God is calling us up to say, I know you see that problem, but I want you to see something different. Check this out from my perspective. And you're like, oh, wow, it's so different from your perspective. The mountain seems so big that when I talked to other people about it, it was like, this is huge. Like, how am I? That was Donald Trump right there, wasn't it? It's like, how am I going to overcome this mountain? I don't know what I'm going to do, and I don't know how I'm going to get over this. And we go through the whole script of how this mountain is going to stop us from doing what God's called us to do. And then God says, I want you to see something different. And he takes you to a 30,000 feet and goes, now talk about your mountain. Oh, it's so small. Yep, totally. That's how I see things. Isn't it awesome, Justin? That's the kingdom way of seeing life. And so he changes our perspective from problems that we now see what? Possibilities. And so he wants us to see him different. He wants us to see ourselves different. He wants us to see others different. And then he wants us to see our problems different. And when we start to now have this new lens that comes in, in our life, we start going, this is a different way of seeing life. But this is the first part of the process. It says that he has raised us up, Ephesians 2, 6. He's raised us up in heavenly places, and he's made us to sit down with Jesus. 
So he raises us up positionally to see life from a new perspective. The question I love to ask is, God, how do you see this? How do you see them? How do you see me? Because that causes me to change my perspective on this particular thing that I'm looking at. Look what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. Are you guys still with me? Okay. We what? View. Now this is Paul. His legs were beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. And he was beat on his back more than once in all of those different things. And he says these words. This is a completely new perspective. Amen? We view our slight short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. So the perspective now becomes what? Eternity, not earth. And now he looks at his troubles and said they're what? They're slight and they're short-lived in the perspective of eternity. Can you see the perspective shift? So instead of going, oh, man, I don't know when I'm going to get through this. This is so long. Like, I don't, when are things going to turn around? When you look at them from perspective, you go, they're slight and they're just short-term. We don't feel that way, I know, because our perspective has maybe not changed in that area. And so we see our difficulties as what? The substance that produces for us an eternal weight of glory. So Paul is saying from this new perspective, my problems are actually the thing that I mold or God's molding this eternal weight of glory in my life with. How cool is that? Like, that is awesome. Like, he sees our difficulties not as, oh, God, why? He sees it as, God, I know you're using this difficulty as the substance that's producing an internal weight of glory in my life. And he says this, because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but on what is unseen, for what is seen is just what? Temporary, but what is seen is eternal. So with this new lens, problems are now possibilities. The enemies are people that I can now practice love on. One, one person, give me two, give me two, give me three, give me three. Like, Justin, move on, move on. And challenging people are now a ground for him to produce patience in my life. And setbacks are now just an opportunity for me to discover who he is inside of my life. And struggle is now just part of the journey of getting me ready for what God has for me. And the pressure, it's actually the forming the diamond on the inside of me. And the fire and the testing, oh, they're actually just per perfecting me. Why? Because I see it from a different perspective. And that's why Paul could say, count, or James could say, count it all joy. Why? When you encounter various trials, knowing that those things are going to produce something of greater value than the, the displeasure that you're feeling for the moment. It's a new perspective that he gives us. It's a lifestyle of a walking by faith and not walking by sight. So he realigns our perspective. When our, our perspective starts to let's think about this. When your perspective changes, and now it's a mindset that he's going to begin to realign us with. You can put that on the screen. He begins to realign us with this new mindset. That he goes, you want to think like I think? Because we know in the scriptures it says, 
My thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord, nor are my ways your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so far are my ways above your ways, and my thoughts differ than your thoughts. But he has given us his word, which is a lamp unto our feet, and it's a light unto his path. And he said, you want to you think like me? You want to think about people like me? You want to think about you like me? You want to think about your problems like me? He says, I'll introduce you to a brand new way of thinking. And what we can do is begin to renew our mind to this new way of thinking. Remember with this is that the disciples came back after he sent out 72 of them. They came back and they were rejoicing. Why? Because God did what? Miracles through their hands. Do you remember what Jesus did? He goes, oh, I want to change your way of thinking. Watch this. You're excited about the miracles? Oh, no, no, no. You know what you should be excited about? Your name is written where? In the Lamb Book of Life. Can you imagine the mindset shift right there? Like, that was huge. Like, for him to go, oh, man, Jesus, they did this and they did this. And he goes, oh, man, that pales in comparison to eternity. Like, I want you to think differently, not just about this earth. Be excited about that. Be excited about your next TV show. But realize there's eternity that awaits us where we stand in the presence of the king and we have a life that is forever to live with the king. Amen? It's a different way of thinking that God has. That we actually start to think about being favored by God, not... Um, Okay, I'm going to judge you. Okay, uh, you got a seven today, Justin. Uh, you got a nine today. You know what? When I wake up, guess what he says? You got a, yep, that's hard to grasp. You guys, you guys whispered that one because you weren't sure if it was right. <laughs> you all woke up with a 10. And he said, why? Because Jesus just performed the best thing he could on your behalf, and I accept what Jesus did for you, so now enjoy the 10 and go tell people about the 10. Romans 12, 2 says, stop imitating the ideals and the opinions and the cultures around you, but be inwardly, inwardly tra transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. So God realigns us to that perspective. I want you to see life from my perspective, Justin. See yourself as a son and daughter, not an orphan. And now I want you to think differently. I want you to think like me, so I'm going to now totally reform how you think about everything and he doesn't do it all at once he does it little by little so I realize when I'm not walking in joy I am totally not in alignment with the gospel because the mark of someone who is believing the gospel the good news the great news is joy and when I start getting down on myself and condemned, I realize I'm not in alignment with what the gospel has declared over my life. So he realigns us with our perspective. He realigns us with the way that we think. And the last one is he realigns us to a new language. Jim Lambert just commended John. His language has shifted. So many of you have come in either wounded or dry or dead spiritually and you're being awakened and what happens is I can hear the language is different. People are speaking relational and not functional anymore. They're speaking about a father that adores them and delights them, not about, man, what do I need to do to please this God that is not happy with me? I can hear the language different in so many of your voices because you're starting to see life differently. You're starting to realize who you are, a daughter or son of the living God, and God's now helping you see things and think differently, and now your language starts to come with it. It's one of a victor and not one who is a victim anymore. That's a powerful shift in language. But if you start with language and not perspective, it has no power. 
That's religion. Hey, say this and don't say this and do this and don't do this. No, let him change your perspective. And then start to think differently over time. Renew your mind. And then your language just simply comes as a result. And so I wrote this down that negativity in 2019 should no longer have a voice. We speak possibility. Amen? Hatred no longer has a voice. Why? Because we speak love. Gossip no longer has a voice. Why? Because we speak edification. Complaining no longer has a voice. Why? Because we speak thanksgiving. Why do we speak thanksgiving? Because we see what we're grateful for. Do, can you see the difference? If I tell you be thankful, but you see nothing but problems, what are you doing? You're forcing yourself. How many of us have told our kids, say what? Yeah, that was like real genuine and real powerful. No, we just conform them like, you better say thank you to grandma and grandpa for that gift. And so they're like, but I don't even want to read the card. Well, say thank you. And so they go over there and say, thank you, Papa, Nana. It has to be something that they see. And when I see how good God has been, and when I see how faithful he's been, that he'll never leave me, never forsake me, guess what? My language changes. I now wake up and go, Father, thank you that I have a 10. Thank you that I don't have to strive or earn my place with you, but I'm simply your son of, of the almighty God, and I get to represent you wherever I go, and the kingdom of God lives on the inside of me. I'm thankful. Why? Because my lens is different. Do you see that? So we're not forcing anything. I'm not telling you to shout hallelujah when you feel like you want to shout hell yeah, <laughs> whatever it is, <laughs> or hell no. No, it's about you seeing that you're not in a desperate situation, that you're not a victim, that you're not one that is under the circumstances, but that you are actually more than a conqueror. And when you see yourself that way, your language changes. Amen? So worry has no more voice. Why? Because we speak peace and rest. Fear has no more voice. Let's give no more voice to fear because that's the only way that it lives. We speak what? Faith and hope. So when you want to speak something that you're fearful of, just ask God, help me to see this the way that you do. When you start to see it the way that he does, you go, I'll fear no evil when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Because God, you're with me. And if you're with me and I know you're with me and you're God, I have nothing to fear. And I just thank you that you walk through this valley with me every step of the way. So let me close with these final verses. Uh, Jackson, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and 9. And then if somebody can make sure they go get uh, AJ. We're going to pray for a few more people after we're done here. All right, here it is. It says, we are like common clays. I want you to see the language difference, okay? So when you're reading this, just think language. Think of Paul's words. He says, we are like common clay jars that carry a glorious treasure within us so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's and not ours. And though we experience every kind of pressure, we're what? Language says, I'm experiencing pressure, there's no denying that, but I'm not what? Crushed. It's a language. I'm not crushed. How about this one? At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. So there's nothing wrong with saying, this is what I'm facing, but I want to know what are you saying. I'm not going to quit. How about this one? We are persecuted, but God... He hasn't forsaken me. That's a great language to have. How about this? And God has not, we may be knocked down, but I'm not knocked out. Why? Because I see who God is and who he is for me and I embrace the promises of God. And it says all the promises of God are what? Yes. And amen to those who are in Christ Jesus. And that word amen simply means so be it in my life. 
when the angel came to Mary and he said, you will give, you will be with child, what did she say? So be it, Lord. Be it done unto me. And she received it in her heart. And that promise had the power contained within it to cause her to become the Virgin Mary of Mother. Amen? And the same promises that you receive come with it, the power. You know how you get those toys and they don't have batteries included? <laughs> right? No, this promise comes with power included to transform your life so you'll never be the same. We're closing the door in 2018. And we're stepping into this new custom-built home that God has prepared just for you and I. Let's go explore. Let's pray. So, Father, we just... I'm so grateful that where two or more are gathered, you're always there. And so we welcome you, Jesus, in this place. And we thank you that you are speaking to people's hearts that you are able to encourage them and build them up and call them up in the midst of whatever it is that they're facing. And I pray that my words, that perfectly were anointed by you, have the power to go deep inside every heart and that they would see what you see and that we would all collectively begin to learn how to think like you. So ultimately, we can speak just like our Father. We can speak words of edification. We can speak words of a victor and not a victim. And so I just empower your people today to go out of these walls today knowing who they are, who God is for them, and that they'll never be the same. That the trajectory of their 2019 was set in the right place. And nothing will derail them. Nothing will shake them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand with me?